Hey, welcome to Midtown Fellowship. It's great to have you with us. Do you ever wonder what it means to be a Christian? Or what does the Bible teach? Maybe what does the church believe? Or maybe even what do you believe? Well, for generations, the church has had creeds to help answer those questions and operate a statement of faith. So join us this summer. We're going to dive into one of the oldest of the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, to try to find some of those answers ourselves. If you'd like more information, you can go to midtownfellowship.org, but we would love for you to join us for worship at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. Hope to see you there. I can always kind of tell the temperature of how you guys are doing by how long you take to greet each other. That was very short, which has got me worried this morning because I don't want to be in this alone. I need you to be with me in this. So are y'all with me? The first three rows. If you're sitting on the first three rows, you know you get a discount on your tithe, so they're pretty excited. Sorry, you guys in the back, full price. Um, That was a joke for you visitors. So let me ask you a question. If I asked you, uh, do you have a moment in your life that everything changed for you? Like a pivotal moment that at that moment you're like, uh, it just, everything got turned upside down and you're like, I'll always point back to that moment when the world shifted and things were different. Like one of those moments for me was in 1985. Like where were you in 1985? Yeah, I get it. And MTV, we turned on our television and there was a channel dedicated completely to music. And it was our music. I mean, that was a complete mind blower. Or I remember my first cell phone. And it was a Blackberry. Yeah. And I was told when it was given to me by uh, the church I worked for, don't turn it on and only use it for emergencies. But still, the idea of being able to call somebody from anywhere was just a mind blower. Or I know... Late 80s, parachute pants. For me, yeah, I know. Go look it up on the internet. We didn't have that either. But I have to say that there was one moment that uh, was probably different than all the rest. Renee and I had been, we just got married. We were in graduate school together. And uh, we were poor and uh, just trying to make our way. And down the street from the school, this store got built and they put the sign on the top of it and it said, Blockbuster Video. You may not remember this, but there was a store that you could walk into because this new technology had just been invented called VHSs, VHS, which stands for, do you know? You don't even know. Video Home System. That's so creative because that's how creative you could get in the 80s. Like you had to grow into creativity. But we had a VHS. We saved up our money. We bought a VHS. And you could walk into this store and there would literally be hundreds of movies. Like hundreds of movies that you could get on these big VHS tapes. And it was amazing. They had them like in different categories. And you could go and pick any movie in the store. And for $2.99, you could rent that movie. And you could take it back and keep it for two days. I'm not kidding you. This is serious. Two days. That meant that you could actually see a scene and go, that was amazing. Rewind. And rewind it back and watch it again. Like you could rent a movie and watch it twice. This was like nobody had ever seen this before. And then here's, here's what's crazy. 
Like it had stuff on it, like be kind, rewind, because you had to rewind the tape. Some of you folks that are older get this. And literally your greatest fear stopped being the end of the world and it started becoming late fees at Blockbuster. Because if you went longer than two days, they charged you. And your greatest fear would be like vacuuming, you know, the living room and you bump something under your couch and you look under and there's a VHS tape that's been under there for like a month. We're going to lose our home. <laughs> as much as that was a revolution, like, and I was looking it up this week, I have access right now through Prime Video, Netflix, Cable Network. I have access right now with a touch of a button to over 20,000 movies. But at that time, having a box store with 200 was revolutionary. And what we're going to talk about today it's going to take that idea of Blockbuster, it's going to blow it away. In fact, this may be the most revolutionary moment in history. And here's what's crazy. I've never preached on this. In all my years, what I'm going to preach on today, I realized last night, I have never preached a sermon on this topic. So I'm a newbie at this. So you know how good you are when you do something for the first time? So bear with me, all right? We've been studying the Apostles' Creed. Uh, what we read before I came up here, uh, a creed that dates all the way back, uh, some would think, to the first, second generation of the church. And the Apostles' Creed is really a rudder that kind of guides us through understanding what this book is all about. It's giving us categories. It's giving us uh, these complex themes of theology that help us understand if you miss anything, get that, because that's guiding us through. So we've been kind of walking our way through it. And today we're going to talk about the section where he says, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So what does that mean? Like, what does that mean that Jesus ascended to heaven? Why is that such a big deal that it's actually made the Apostles' Creed that he ascended into heaven? And maybe you don't know this, or maybe you've never read the passage of Scripture, so I'm going to have Caitlin come up and read for us the passage from Acts chapter 1. She's going to be starting in verse 1 and through, I think, what, 11? All right. Okay, this is Acts 1, verse 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I Okay, wrote stop right there, because... <laughs> She didn't know we were reading this passage until like 10 minutes ago, and she just pronounced Theopolis perfectly. Yeah. Well done. In my former book, Theophilus, <laughs> You I did wrote, it twice! That's amazing! <laughs> I wrote all about all that Jesus um, began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind, beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Well, let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, pray that you would now be kind to us and that, Lord, you would uh, come and fill this place. And we pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would come and bring us revelation about your word. But we pray, Lord, that uh, you wouldn't stop there, that you'd bring revelation about you. And Lord, also revelation about ourselves. Would you mend those things together, Father, and begin to heal us today and restore us. And Lord, even give us enthusiasm for the adventure of your kingdom that you're calling us into. Uh, so Lord, uh, we give you praise for your word and for the body of believers that we are in Christ's name. Amen. So... What's going on here that Jesus has appeared to the disciples after he died on the cross and his resurrection and he appears before them? I love, there are certain lines in scripture that always just kind of get me to giggle because uh, like in verse three, it says that he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Like, why is that in scripture? Like, what was going on with the disciples where they were like, uh, come on, is this really you? Like... That had to be an interesting season. And so they finally got convinced. He spent 40 days with them. And then uh, at the end of that 40 days, it says he ascended into heaven. And they stood there watching. Where did he go? Like, obviously he's going up. And then he just kind of disappears. Like, is Jesus in space? Like, is... Literally, like, is he hiding behind the moon and he's just waiting for the right moment to reappear? Like, where did Jesus go? Is it like some form of like quantum physics to where Jesus lives in this multi-dimensional world to where the dimensions are so close together that they're, that he's with us because he's in his dimension and we're in our dimension. The dimensions are interwoven together and he's always around us. Is it possible that maybe we could call Matthew McConaughey and he did Interstellar and we could begin to understand a little bit about, I don't know, we don't know. We really don't know. But what we do know is uh, that the ascension was the foundation and it was the moment that a new age was born. It was the commencement of a new age. In fact, for us to understand this new age, we have to go back a little bit and we have to talk about something we talk about a lot here. And that is that when Jesus, uh, when he came into the world, let me see if I can illustrate this for you. He came into a world that was cursed by sin. Like we've all been born into a world that is cursed. In the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and separated us from the presence of God. Now, it's not so much that we have sinned. We do sin, but we've been born into a world that is covered in sin. And so we are covered in sin by birth. And so when scripture says, even my best deeds are like filthy rags, what it's saying is, is if, if you were like the best dressmaker that ever lived and you made the most amazing wedding dress that you could ever possibly imagine, 
but you were cursed with the fact that your hands bled black ink. And everything that you stitched together was stained by the black ink from your hands. That's what scripture's talking about. That even my best deeds now are stained by the very fact that I've been born in a cursed world and I've added to that cursedness through my own sin. And scripture even uses words like, like we're dark, like the, the sin has stained our lives, that we are dirty with sin and even we're dead in our sin. So when Jesus came and lived the perfect life, he had no stain with him. And we've talked about the virgin birth and why that was vital to that. That when Jesus came and did not bear the marks of the curse, he was the only one that could go to the cross then and be a substitute atonement for us. In fact, what he could say to the Father is, all the crimes that Randy has committed against you, Father, I now pay for them all. Put them on me. And that's why scripture says the one who knew no sin, he didn't know any of this, became all of my sin so something radical could then happen to me. And what radical happened to me is he took my sin away and then gave me his righteousness. I've been made clean. In fact, here's what's crazy is when Christ went to the cross, he didn't just go and die for the sins that I've committed up to say this point. He went to the cross and died for all my sins, even the ones I've not even committed yet because all my sins were future tense with Jesus when he was at the cross. So it's not like he's cleaned me up to this point. If Christ is in my life, and if you don't know what that means, if you've accepted Christ's work on the cross for you, if you've confessed his name, if you don't know what that means, let's talk. But if you have, it means you have been forgiven. There's no more stain on you. Your sin is gone. God even says, I'll remember it no more, meaning the high courts of heaven will never bring a charge against you ever again on the sins that you've committed or the sins that you're going to commit. Gets better because that's only half the story. The other half of the story is that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Jesus rose again. And in Romans chapter six, it says when he rose, if I'm forgiven by him, then I rise with him. What does that mean? Well, think about it this way. Like if, if we are, and Dave George and I have had talks about this for 20 years. If we are made up of body, soul, and spirit, like, you know, my body, my soul is, you know, what I feel, what I think, my family history. And my spirit is that part of me that has been made in the very image of God. And when the curse happened, that spirit part of me was dead. It was dead to God. It had no breath. It had no life. And when Christ came, he came and forgave me for my sins so that my spirit now could be breathed into. And for the first time in my life, my spirit is alive. That part of me rose with him when he rose to newness of life. And I rose with him. I got pretty passionate about that, didn't I? Here's what the ascension did. And this is where it gets even better. And I can't believe I've never preached this. Here's the ascension. For us to understand what I'm about to say, you have to understand a little bit about the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, when you study scripture, you don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. But when we study scripture, we realize that God is, is incredibly unique and complex and beautiful. And we understand God not as one, but three. 
The Westminster Confession of Faith would say that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. And in this, C.S. Lewis calls this the Holy Trinitarian Dance, is that when you, when you read Scripture, you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit They're doing something very beautiful. The Father is lifting up the Son. The Son is glorifying the Father. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify and amplify Jesus. They work in this dance of stepping back and lifting one another up. It's like all of creation was birthed out of God, and God is declaring from the very beginning that he is community, that he is relationship. And get this, and we'll come back in a minute. He is all about service. So if we understand this aspect of Trinitarian work, then when Jesus came, Jesus was both God and man. Now, if you lived 2,000 years ago and you wanted to meet Jesus, like you're not going to find him at 30A, although that is a holy place. Let's just all confess that. And for all our friends that are there right now without us, let us stop and pray for them. Um, You wouldn't find him at 38. You would have to actually go to Jerusalem. You'd have to go track him down because Jesus occupied a physical place. He occupied this space that was where he was. And even when you went there, you would have to go and find him. In fact, when Jesus rose again and he was in the garden and Mary saw him, she ran to grab him and listen to what Jesus said. Don't touch me. For I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. What is happening that Jesus raises to this new life and now he's all touchy-feely and he doesn't want anybody to touch him? Well, what he's declaring for us is that the way you understand me, the way you know me, the way you've experienced me in this spatial place, that's all about to change. It's all about to change. And listen to what he says to the disciples in John chapter 16. This is verse 17, or verse 7. He says to them, now I'm going to him who sent me. He's going to the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. But truly, I tell you this. It is better for me. No, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. It is better for you. It is good for you that I'm going away because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him. What Jesus was saying was the way you're going to experience me now, Trinitarian is completely different that a new age is dawning. And now that you've been made alive, now it's time to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit. I love spilling that. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Well, part of it is because I like making messes. But when the ascension happened, now we weren't just cleaned up and forgiven and just set on a shelf where Jesus goes, look how pretty they are. They're so nice and clean. No, he cleaned us up so he could fill us up. And the ascension was the declaration that the age of the Holy Spirit has come. And this is crazy. I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He convicts us of sin. He gives us deep convictions about truth. He gives us revelation. He's our guide. He gives us gifts like all of you have gifts that have been given by the Holy Spirit. 
We've been sealed. He's given us power. And we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit and what he does and is doing next week. But for this week, I want you to realize that this coming of the age of the Holy Spirit has been talked about all throughout the whole Old, Old Testament. In fact, if you go to many of the minor prophets, they started dropping this language that if you understand the temple, in the temple were different courts, and at the center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. And this was the place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelled. It was protected by a huge curtain. The high priest, only the high priest could go in there once a year to advocate and to sprinkle the blood of the lamb over the uh, mercy seat of God. And that was the place where God dwelt, and it was holy, holy, holy. And you had to be very careful. And all the minor prophets dropped these hints that there's going to come a day where what's happening in that room is going to leak out. And it's going to leak out in a big way. In fact, it's going to leak out so much so that the holy elements in that room now, even the common cooking ware that you have in your kitchen is going to become holy. And what it's talking about is, is that there's going to come a day where Jesus then is going to make his people holy. That now we are the temple. We don't have a building anymore. We are the temple of what? The dwelling place of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell inside of us. That's why Jesus, in John chapter 1, John said, Jesus came to dwell among us. But that word is a Greek word, and the Greek word is really, he came to tabernacle among us meaning he came to reestablish the work of the temple in us. Wow. So what's the Holy Spirit doing in there? What's he up to? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 8, and this is in verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're not in the realm of the flesh. You're not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Wait, if? If. This is very important for us to grasp. Because who gets the Spirit? Who gets the dose of the ghost? Like, how do we get it? And how much do we get? And do you get more than I get? Well, let's keep reading. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. What it's saying there is if you know Christ, you got the Spirit. You got it. There's not a second blessing that you need to go find. There's not a a second prayer that you need to to confess. If you have Christ, you cannot have Christ and not have the Spirit. They're inseparable. Once you have Christ, you have the Spirit. And what is the Spirit doing in there? This is great. He is giving life. And what kind of life is the Spirit giving? He's giving life from the kingdom of God. This new kingdom that Jesus came to establish, he is now birthing in us. And we are kingdom keepers. Like the kingdom now is exploding inside of us. So when I was uh, 17, I went to Young Life Camp, and uh, that's where I became a Christian. But I was convinced when I got off the bus, because I'd never been to a youth group or to a Young Life, 
and I show up and I'm getting off the bus and all the camp workers were shooting us with super soakers. And I thought, good Lord, I've just come to a cult. And like, and they're all excited. Yay, squirt, 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 squirt. And if you wanted to know who worked at the camp, it was really simple. It was just really simple. Follow the trail of water. That's all you had to do. Whoever is shooting you in the face right now probably works here. And that's true about the kingdom of God. Let me close this in prayer. It's so great because what's happening when the Holy Spirit is in us, he is shooting goodness out of us. He is shooting truth out of us. He is shooting life out of us. That's what he's doing. And in fact, scripture says, Jesus says, uh, this little light of mine, what is it? I'm going to let it shine. Don't put it under a bushel. No. Um, yeah, okay. That comes from a passage of scripture where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then later, two chapters later, he goes, you're the light of the world. In fact, the only thing that you can do with that light is hide it. That's the only thing. And he says, don't hide it. But that's the only, you can't stop it from shining. What the Holy Spirit is doing is he's exploding the truth, the power, the light of the kingdom of God through your life. Because, as the Apostles' Creed tells us, Jesus is on the throne. He's on the throne. He ascended to heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. The right hand, a position of power, a position of favor. It's a position of, of privilege. It's a, division, it's a position of Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father with this profoundly holy, divine purpose. And what is he doing? Well, Jesus is interceding for us. Scripture says that he's our advocate before the throne of God. And it tells us that he is our constant companion, caring about the journey that we're on. And it also tells us that he's divinely orchestrating all things. In fact, there is nothing outside the rule or the power of Christ's reign. And he is working all things together for your good, our good, and his good. He promises that. There's nothing outside of what he controls. Well, does that mean that now that I got the Holy Spirit, now that I've been made new, now that I'm alive, now that the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God are shining out of me, things are going to get better? Uh, not really. Because remember, we've been born into, remember this world? It's still here. In fact, it's dark. And scripture says it's going to get darker. And he has birthed us like a light into this dark world, into this fallen world, into this world of chaos, to, to be bearers of the light of the kingdom of God. It's like we, we have been born and made alive. I am not going to sing candle in the wind, but it's kind of like that. And it's crazy when we do that. So you know i got to talk about Africa. I've only been back a couple of weeks. You can't go anywhere in Africa that you don't see food relief. You can't. You can't go anywhere and not see organizations that are committed to water, uh, clean water, and to wells, and to helping people 
uh, recover from all the crisis that happens when you don't have enough water or you don't have clean water. You can't go anywhere where there's not uh, trauma relief or people that are caring for people that have been through horrific situations. Or Everywhere you look, there's education initiatives and schools that are springing up and environmental concerns. And almost all of them, I mean, this is crazy, almost all of them are Christians. You can't go anywhere in Africa that you don't see the mark and the fingerprints of the kingdom of God because kingdom people don't run away from the chaos of the world. We run into the chaos of the world. We don't run away from the storm and find shelter. We run into the storm because we have light. So we were in the airport and in Uganda and we were trying to get home and I was trying to check in my bags and I was having a little, you know, a godly disagreement with the guy that was checking me in, <laughs> which meant, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm a Christian man, light of kingdom. Hey, surrender. No, uh, and this, this older guy, probably 80 years old, walks out of the line and comes up and puts his arm on my shoulder and he goes, son, can I help you? And I'm like, who are you? Like, no, you cannot help me. Who are, do you work for the airlines? He didn't. He just was injecting himself into my situation and my problem. Inappropriate. Complete, I turn around and say, no, I think I'm okay. And so I'm, I'm thinking in my head, is this what older people do? Like they, do I do that? Like do I? <laughs> It's like those commercials. What are those commercials where they're teaching you how not to be your mom and dad? This felt like that moment. <clears throat> so we get checked in. I resolved the problem, got my bags checked in that they later lost. And uh, I'm sitting in the terminal waiting, and here comes that guy. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to talk to him. I just don't want to talk to him. I'm just not a part of your kingdom right now, all right? Anyway, and uh, so he's walking by, and I just felt so convicted, and I said, sir, thank you for your help. I hope I wasn't rude. And uh, then he did the one thing I didn't want him to do. He came over and sat next to me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. It was like one in the morning, all right? And um, he began to tell me that he'd been coming to Africa. He was an Anglican priest. He'd been coming to Africa for almost 40 years, and I said, so what holy endeavor are you doing here in Africa? And he goes, uh, I play the trumpet. And I come here every year to lead a band camp. I'm like, man, you're going to get to heaven so much faster than me. <laughs> is it possible that when the kingdom is flowing out of us, it's not just flowing out of us in humanitarian relief? but it's also flowing out of us when we say hi to our neighbor and we care about how they're doing. Or when we go to work and we do excellent work in the marketplace. Or when we go to the hospital and we care about our patients. Or when we cook food and we literally want our employees to succeed. Like, is it possible that, that the kingdom's flowing out of me when I look to the people in my life and I'm kind to them? And, and I pause long enough to encourage them. That the kingdom is flowing out of me when I decide instead of being served, I'm going to be a server today. 
that I'm going to wash the feet of people around me, that I'm actually going to navigate my day-to-day to help the people around me succeed. Is, is that the kingdom flowing out of us? When we lead a band in Uganda and we play the trumpet. I think it is. See, we're living in this world that's already and not yet. We've already been made a part of the kingdom of God, but we've not fully seen what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Jesus is going to come back one day, and it says he's going to make all things new. That everything that is bad, as C.S. Lewis would say, everything, what is it that's bad is undone, or I just butchered that quote. And we know that. C.S. Lewis did say, if we ever find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So in Africa, when we were at a graduation and the choir got up to sing, and they're singing, and the song seems to be lasting forever, and this 80-year-old woman dressed all in white, got up and started dancing in front of the choir. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And then she came and got me. (laughs) And then the whole crowd got up. Because, you know, has there ever been a moment in your life where something deep in you got touched and it seems like a familiar smell, but you just can't put your finger on it? That something for the kingdom got awakened inside of you and it draws you and you can't explain it. It drew her and got her up dancing. And she was not embarrassed about getting me up dancing, even though I was embarrassed about my dancing. What if that's what the Lord is doing now? The Holy Spirit is giving you longings for a kingdom not yet, but already is. How do we live? Okay, I'm going to close so we can sing. But I want to tell you this story. This is out, out of Luke chapter 12 because this is the most astonishing. Like I'm going to tell you, if the age of the Holy Spirit has come, when I'm about to read to you, if you've never heard this before, this could possibly be really unbelievable. Jesus is talking about his return. Listen to how he describes it. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Jesus is like, let me tell you what the end of time is going to be like when I come back. It's like a master who went away to a wedding banquet. Let me restate that. Your master went away to a party for days and you're to wait for him. Keep your eyes open. Wait for him. And we go, oh, yeah, I get it. I got to wait. I got to wait. I got to wait. Because if I don't wait, if I don't wait right, then I'm not going to get what I need. Well, listen to what it says. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, and listen to this. Truly, I tell you, the master then will dress himself to serve. He will have all his servants recline at the table. And the master will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. Late, late in the night. It's not you better stay up. It's, oh, it's going to be so good for you if you stay up. It's not you're not going to get the love of the master if you don't watch right. 
It's if you watch right, you could live in the anticipation of the master coming. And when he's coming, it's going to be kisses and hugs. Your God's going to serve you. So how do we live? Like that person at the airport. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Where you're going to pick a friend up or a coworker or somebody that's coming in that you kind of know, but you're the ride, you know, and you're standing there and you're waiting for them to come through, you know, the security zone. And next to you is somebody with balloons and a sign and they're just, they can't stop moving, you know, and as soon as they see the person, they're like, they cannot believe it. There they are, and they're fighting. I can't go into the security zone. I've got to wait till they get right here. And then it's on. It's like crazy. That's how we live. Lord, would you help us today? Wake us up, Father. Wake us up and let us loosen our grip on the silly things of this world that steal from us the power of your Holy Spirit that is in us, and pouring through us that steals from us the fun of letting your kingdom leak out of us. Lord, rescue us, Father, from our cynicism that keeps us from being excited about your return. And let us live as enthusiastic lovers that are deeply loved, and may our life reflect that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.